Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody, Two Guys at a Mic show on a beautiful Thursday here in the fine city of Chicago. Right off the bat, I want to thank our uh, sports schedulers for doing a very nice job of putting the Chicago Bull-Miami Heat game tonight at 7 o'clock. And then, of course, the Blackhawks start their Stanley Cup playoff hockey at 9 o'clock. So we might only overlap for about a half an hour, too, on the must-see TV list. They do not overlap. Thank you to our sports Programmers, a thank you we rarely give out to the big dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock here on the Two Guys at a Mike Show, TalkZone.com, semi-dysfunctional sports talk radio at its finest. And I use that word in the loosest sense of the terms. David Olson, our producer, he is the finest. And I don't use it loose there on the other side of the glass. Producer extraordinaire, play a little bit of music here and then get set for 56 minutes and 38 seconds of rocking and rolling sports talk and more action on two guys and a mic. I still think that music, David, if it hasn't been used, I feel like I've heard it before, like on some detective show, maybe like Mannix. Are you old enough to remember Joe Mannix? I am not, no. Ah, uh, Mike Connors and uh, Joe Mannix. Maybe it was, uh, I don't know, I feel like it's a lead-in to some detective show. But in this case, it's the lead-in to our sports talk show. Welcome, everybody. Absolutely gorgeous Thursday here in the fine city of Chicago. Unless you're a baseball fan and got to sit down. It's a little bit chilly for baseball. But, boy, too bad the last couple of days would have been just perfect. Perfect for football. I mean, if we could bottle up those last couple of days, save them for a September 3rd, September 10th, and watch Jake Cutler, Brandon Marshall, and the Chicago Bull, uh, Chicago Bears take on somebody with these last couple of days. Absolutely gorgeous. We talked about it uh, yesterday at the Cub game, Wrigley Field. A lot of no-shows, and it was pretty cold out there a couple of days ago. Night game. 39 degrees with a stiff wind. I don't know, 15, 20 miles an hour swirling around Wrigley Field. Any of those fans that lasted for the game, and I think, and again, I'm talking about that yesterday's game, but the game before, I think it was a three-hour and 20-minute game. And I think uh, Wrigley Field, I think the uh, owner, Tom Ricketts, some of the Ricketts associates, Theo Jett, whoever it might have been, they should have gone down taking names and numbers of the people that stayed around for that entire game and giving them some kind of freebie, maybe tickets to the next game. But that was beautiful. Uh, White Sox did win yesterday. Chicago Cubs lost. And again, we got great sports action tonight. If you're a Chicago fan and the schedulers did us a favor as we welcome in my good part of the big dog, Joel Radwanski. Joel, I was talking about in the open of the show how uh, thank you very much. You got the Bulls in heat at 7 o'clock. You can devour that for a couple of hours and then uh, settle down to the beginning. Of a long run, hopefully, for the Blackhawk. NHL hockey at 9 o'clock. Hawks and Phoenix, you got a back-to-back, my friend. Are you ready for it? Oh, I'm absolutely ready. What a what a night of sports. I'm so ready for it, Coach, that I've already worked out. Because I have, like, a bunch of stuff I have to do in the middle of the day. Yes. So I had to make sure I got my workout in. Because, legitimately, come 7 o'clock tonight, I'm, I'm watching the 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically sports until the end of the night. There's two huge games for both teams. We need a little perspective from you because we've got some uh, via the emails and texts. Might have some callers today. Check in via the phone here. Love to talk to you folks. 888-463-6748. I get the feeling, Big Dome, we got some Bulls fans that are, I don't know how to gently put this, losing perspective. I ask you as a basketball aficionado the importance of tonight's game psychologically, home court, etc. Bulls take on the heats are we overrating it a bit uh yes because the most important game tonight in chicago is going to be the the chicago blackhawks versus the phoenix phoenix coyotes we're totally looking at we're the, the bulls are going to have the best record in the eastern conference we've already beat them if, if i really do think oh, beat them as in the the miami heat i do think we're overplaying this a little bit coach mm-hmm. as bulls fans yeah and, and the home court advantage Sometimes no, no, that but, I want. That I want. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think the the even if the Bulls lost, they they'd be two games up still in for the home court advantage with mm-hmm. only seven for us and nine for them remaining. So it's not doing. This game is a must win for the Heat. It would be a nice win for the Chicago Bulls. That's and a good it's way of putting it. That. That's a good way huh? of putting it. Now, is this typical? I know it's a weird year scheduling because the strike and everything. But does the NHL hockey playoffs typically start? A solid two weeks before the NBA? Yeah, it's always the same, Coach. Okay. It's always the same. Because it, it's always like the NHL is having, as long as there's no Olympics or other stuff involved, if it's a normal season for both leagues, mm-hmm. um, basically, because most series takes two weeks to complete. Yes. So when the NHL, when the Stanley Cup Finals are going on, the NBA Conference Finals are normally going on. Okay. That's how it works. All right. And once again, like always, we hope that the NBA playoffs will be over before the July 4th parades. And sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. Well, next year, if it works out right, if the, if the Hornets get the, the number one overall pick, the Bulls are going to get that. If the Bulls play in the finals long enough next year, they can draft the player to play in the finals for them. <laughs> oh, I never thought of that. Come around 360 and then some, huh? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, interesting. It's, it's, I'll have to check with know, David Stern and make sure that you know I'll have to do a little legality work first. But that's a possibility. You know, people have said I've heard this so many times. Oh, football's year round. No, no, football, baseball, basketball—they're all year round. Hockey—they're all year round, including mm-hmm. basketball. I mean, they play until June twenty eighth, and then they're having the the draft July fifteenth, and then they have the mini camps. You know. It's year-round, too. The only thing is that football is just the most beloved sport, you know, around. So that seems like it's a it's a 12-month-a-year coverage. Well, every sport is. Well, you and, know, and I got a lot of news and notes titillating tidbits today, and I can check off one of them because you talk about the year-round sporting ventures of each individual sport. You're exactly correct, and I uh, let you know, Big Dog, I know you're aware, but let our fans know that this Saturday, one of the great traditions in all of sport, and I say that with a lot of sarcasm, the college football spring football games are this Saturday. The Orange take on the Blue Big Dog down at Champaign. Oh, they're playing in Champaign this year. That uh, is an upgrade, where, and thank you, Tim Beckham. I, I really appreciate it. That where, is a great idea. Where do they normally play? Well, no, they normally played in Champaign, but the last couple of years, Didn't Ron it? Zook thought it would be a great oh. recruiting coup to start doing it at uh, at Chicago area high school the last couple of years, and it was mm-hmm. great. They went to St. Rita coach. And there was literally 
in the triple digits, the amount of people that showed up for the Illinois spring game. It really, <laughs> really was a great atmosphere. Uh-huh. Uh, seeing it playing at uh, St. Rita High School or, or Mount Carmel was, was a joke. And I'm glad they're back playing the champagne. <laughs> Apparently, he's got he's going to let the captains draft the teams. Kind of cool oh, idea. Cool. Bringing back is. a lot of ex players to be the honorary coaches. You'll be happy to know the semi dysfunctional at the time, but hopefully he's turned around a little bit. Jeff George is going to be the coach of the Blue Squad, and I think Dana Howard is coaching the East team's got like three or four coaches. But I like the fact he's reaching out to some of the ex players and Big Dog. You ready for this? Yeah, he is going to go up, or one of his associates will go up in the stands and select particular fans, maybe one or two for each side, and they will get to come down and call a play in the scrimmage. So Tim Beckman trying to create a little, um, little enthusiasm in the exciting sport of spring football. You know what? Uh, that is a great idea for the guy because let's face it, I, I don't remember any coach, football coach, coming into Illinois, even basketball coach. That came into Illinois was so much like, really? Are you kidding me? This is horrible, as Tim Beckman did. Yep. And I'm including John Grochi of Ohio taking the basketball job, and that's about the second most that I think I've ever heard complaints. So I'm glad he is keeping it in the constraints of we're going to get better at this spring game. Hey, let's have a little fun, because I don't think the players are, are going to act or think it's like a goof time mm-hmm. just because some guy came in and called one play yep. you know, for each team. Yep. But then again, when, when Jeff George – is calling for the bomb on, on third and two for the eighth consecutive time. <laughs> that might be a little bit disconcerting. Uh, okay. Goodness. Jeff George is a coach. It's a truly scary thought. At any rate, you got amongst the many things going on in the world of sports this week. And this weekend, you got college football spring games and spring practices wrapping up. Got all kinds of things to talk about. While we're on college sports, Big Dog, let me check off another quick little news and note titillating tidbit. John Calipari in the University of Kentucky. I don't know if you saw this story or not. They've done it again. The number one player in the country. His yeah. name, oddly enough, Nerlens Noel. Yes. Boy, am I but glad luckily, he's an athlete because you go through life with the name Nerlens Noel. If you're a redheaded kid with glasses, you're getting beaten on a lot in third, fourth, fifth grade. But uh, Kentucky signs the number one player in the country. Big dog. The good, uh, you know, the the good times just keep on keeping on down in uh, Lexington. Has Anthony Davis officially declared for the NBA draft yet? Everybody has for him. Anthony has not. Okay, well, uh, I'm assuming, like everybody else, he's probably going to go pro. Who knows? Maybe he stays. But this guy is supposedly the next Anthony Davis. Yes. So that's asking a lot. That is asking a lot. He's not going to be as good as Anthony Davis. They say he's actually more offensively skilled. Well, maybe he's more dominant, like dunking and around the hoop. But can he really be more skilled? Yes. Anthony Davis, yes. Anthony Davis could dribble and shoot incredibly uh, for a big guy. I don't know if I'd go that far. Uh, Coach, it's for, still, a, for a, a, a number five, he could shoot a 15-foot jump shot and dribble. Yes, that his, was, touch, that was his touch was pretty good. But I would say as, as far as moves and skills, there's still work to be done. Oh, well, I'll agree with you there. I definitely will agree Offensive. with you there. Yes. Yeah. By the way, the kid from Kentucky... When he announced it, uh, you know, they have the, the press conference in the cafeteria school, wherever it is. You know, that's a whole other thing. Should they have press conference of high school kids? But I guess the camera's on him and everything. And he goes, I will be taking my skills, you know, going the LeBron James route, to the University of... And he pauses and he turns his head around, shaved into the back of his mini Afro big dog is the U.K. logo. That's how he announced it to the world that he's going to Kentucky. 
Are you serious? Did he say take my skills or take my talents, by the way? Uh, my talents, he said. Oh, he did say take your talents. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, thank you, LeBron James cool and anymore. ESPN, for yes. poisoning a whole generation of yeah. athletes. Yeah. Hopefully the guy did it with a little bit of sense of humor. I didn't see it done. I saw the yeah, picture. You, but uh, You're exactly right, because how you're explaining it, I, I yes. am not exactly warm to the kid yet. Yeah. And especially when you choose Kentucky, how could you... You've already, you're going to the evil empire of college basketball. So, mm-hmm. I mean, already, you've already had that's two strikes against them already. Let's give so Nerlens Noel the benefit of the doubt and, and assume that he was doing it with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, I hope. I, I hope so. I definitely yeah. hope so. By the way, Shabazz Muhammad, yes. uh, immediately after the Kentucky thing was decided, he decided to go to UCLA. Mm-hmm. Now, is, uh, is, is, what, is uh, Skip Holland still there? Ben Holland. Ben Holland? Is Ben Holland still there? Still the coach. Maybe the guy just wants to party. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, I'm the number one, I'm the number two, possibly number one player in the country, depending on which list is right. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll go to, go to UCLA, shoot a couple jump shots, get some rebounds, and, and and probably have sex with a Kardashian. You know, it's probably not a bad move. I mean, at UCLA, Ben Holland's not going to ask him to show up for practice or even be a good teammate. Take it easy. You know, yeah, he's, you know, not bad. I mean, it. If I was a kid that was all I cared about was the NBA, well, first of all, that would never be me because I would want to win when I was in college. But if you just want to go to the NBA and have a good time, I mean, you're in Los Angeles and Pasadena. Are you kidding me? The parties, I mean, nothing but a bunch of millionaires. You play for UCLA, you're going to get invited to all the parties. As an 18 or 19-year-old kid, this kid's already smart, coach. Smart. <laughs> so already, without knowing much about him, you like Shabazz Muhammad better than Noel uh, Nerlens, huh? Without question, because most of the time you meet a guy like Shabazz or Muhammad, they're not going to UCLA because yep. the parties are way too much there. Typically, you know, they're they're going to, like, you know, they'll fast for Ramadan, all that other stuff. <laughs> not that, you don't do that if you go to UCLA, let's face it. Uh-huh. Unless you were Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He was the original. But he was forced to actually, you know, live that way because John Wooden would, you know, he's like, if you're going to be a Muslim, you better be a Muslim 100%, you know, not just like on Monday through Friday. Yep. So. Yep. Interesting. And, uh, well, you know, maybe he's just being closer to Hollywood. If the basketball career doesn't work out with a name like Shabazz Muhammad, he'll probably be able to go in the movies very, very quickly. And, um, you know, it's been a while, been a long time since UCLA has gotten a superstar player since they've been on top of the college basketball world. Yeah. You got to think seriously, coach. When, uh, in the in the mid nineties, when um, who was the who was the coach when they won the national championship in nineteen seventy? In ninety five, Steve Lavin got him to a couple of elite eights, but in ninety five, Jim Herrick. It was Jim yes, Herrick. Jim okay. Herrick. Speaking of you know, speaking I, I, of I was, not going to to class, I was making fun of the Ben Holland program a second ago, yes. uh, and and so that's why I was kind of surprised Shabazz Muhammad picked UCLA because mm-hmm. I mean the. the the programs in disarray with all with no discipline, but when Jim Herrick was there, it was the same way. John Wooden would not be happy with what was going on when Jim Herrick was there at UCLA. Nope. He was basically told to resign, wasn't he? They were like, "You better go." And he goes to what Rhode Island? Pepper. Well, he, yeah, Rhode Island. Then he spent some time at Pepperdine also. It was, when he was when he in was Georgia. At, yeah, that's right. And when he was at Georgia, Oregon too. Did he go to Oregon? Uh, I don't think wow. Oregon. I'm thinking Pepper. Maybe he started at Pepperdine. That might be. And then he went to UCLA. That would sound. Yeah. Right, and then there was Georgia in there. And then his son got in trouble. Also, was it was a, 
it was a mess for a guy that on the surface originally looked like the ultimate All-American coach. His son got in trouble because when he was the assistant coach at Georgia under yep. Jim Herrick, it mm-hmm. came out that he was teaching a basketball 101 class. <laughs> and these are for grades for these basketball. All the basketball players took it, and they got grades that counted for their grade point average. And some of the questions were this. How high is the basket? Oh, that's 10 feet. How many players are on a court for each team? That would be five. Stuff like that, Coach. How many <laughs> points are awarded for a free throw? Yeah. Oh, that would be one. <laughs> How many points do you get for a free throw? I mean, it was that simple. Yep. And it found out that Jim Herrick had done this his whole time. Even at UCLA, he was doing stuff like this. Mm-hmm. So. Making a travesty of the educational system. It reminds me of uh, we brought up, I think, a couple of weeks ago where somebody had pointed out to me a humorous moment back when they used to show the players in college football coming out for the intros, and they would you know say name and what their major is. And I think it was, uh, who's the running back for USC? Marcus... Allen. Yeah, Marcus Allen, uh, senior, major, undecided. <laughs> <laughs> was it really Marcus Allen that yeah, they did that for? I think it was a senior, major, undecided. <laughs> well, yeah, Marcus Allen was one of those kids. He got there as a freshman, and they yeah. were like, just keep him healthy. He'll be in the NFL. But that yeah. was back when they played four seasons back then. Yeah. All right. We got lots of news and no titillating tidbits. Uh, to cover today, a couple of off-the-charts, many more to come. But big to all the big stories are the start of the NHL playoffs, Bulls taking on the Heat. we got baseball to talk about, too, your beloved Cubs already get a 1-5 in five hole, my friend. Talk a little baseball real quick. They lose a 2-1 to one yesterday. Ryan Dempster is second. Outstanding. Not good, but outstanding pitching performance, and the guy can't get a victory. Yeah, his... Uh... His only the only runs he gave up was a, a home run to the backup catcher George Kataris yesterday for the for the Brewers. The pitch was low and away, incredible. The guy goes out there and reaches it and smacks it. I mean, the, the only it was like it was a perfect pitcher's pitch. That was the only runs he gave up all day mm-hmm. yesterday. So uh, Ryan Dempster, uh, one of the lone bright spots. On the, on the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, right and now. I go back to what I was saying. If you want to talk a little baseball with the coach and the dog right here for you, 888-463-6748. White Sox fans, feel free to call in. Uh, might not happen often during the year, but right now the feel good is going strong. Three wins in a row. So give us a call. 888-463-6748. Big dog with the Cubs. It's just bad. Really, really weak. Bad at bats. That's the best way I can put it. Just not good. You're, you know, you're exactly right, and we knew that this was a a, a weak lineup, unless like Brian Lahair and Ian Stewart had these like amazing seasons that you know you're keeping your fingers crossed open they can. Brian Lahair, I like. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that I guy, like Lahair. I'm not convinced, and I'm also not writing Ian Stewart off on, on both of them yep. when I look at them. I agree. But I remember game game one, you said something to me, and and I was like, don't worry about it. It's, it's one game, but. You're like, well, the the whole new Cubs way, the Theo Epstein approach is tough at bats. Yep. Don't give away at bats. Make a pitcher work. If you're swinging at pitch number one, it better be the pitch you were looking for. Stuff like that. You know, not trying to temper aggression. Just mm-hmm. have smart at bats. Well, coach, uh, you complained day one, like, wow, for day number one, that wasn't a good start. And I was like, <laughs> yes. come on, it's day number one. You were exact. It has not gotten any better <laughs> no. the last five games. No. Not at all, Coach. No. I, you know, example, specificity is what it's all about. An example, ninth inning yesterday. 
Giov- uh, Lahair struck out. It was actually a decent at bat. I can tell a good player when he actually looks solid and looks good striking out. Brian Lahair to me, looks like a major league ball player. I like the cut of his Giov. More tests to come, obviously, but uh, I like him. But Giovanni Soto is next up. One-run game. Ninth inning. First pitch is the ball. Now, at this point, your mentality has to be in the Cub way, big dog, right? You have to find a way to get on base. Second pitch is up over the shoulders, swing and a miss. Third pitch is up high, swing and a miss, and then he watches the fourth pitch on a called third strike. But my complaint is on pitches number two and three. You're trying to get on base. One and no count. You can't swing at the upstairs stuff, and they continue to do that. That was Giovanni Soto, who's been a major offensive disappointment the last couple years. Yes, he has. He had a home run two days ago, but that's pretty much all he's yeah. done so far uh, in the season. Uh, Coach, uh, you're exactly right about the approach, and there was a lot of uh, real bad at-bats, like first swing, yep. uh, horrible at-bats. Darwin Barney was uh, was another guy that was doing that yesterday. Yep. For a guy that's going to hit five home runs this year, you can't be swinging at everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, But the thing that really bothered me a little bit is this whole Cubs way is, you get players knowing their role and what they're supposed to do. That that's like part of it, coach. You know, like if you're Darwin Barney, you know, you hit behind runners, you, you take extra bases. You got to be great defensively. Well, if you're Brian Maher and you hit 38 home runs last year in AAA, and you drove in 110 runs as a major leaguer and a first baseman, what do you think his role should be in the Chicago Cubs lineup this year, coach? Especially when you're considering that they have Soriano and Ian Stewart and basically nobody else that can hit the ball to the park. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it would be to be to drive in runs. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Okay. Well, yesterday they get the Cubs get a runner at second and nobody out, and they're down two to one. And Dale Swaim has Brian Lahair bunting. He couldn't get the bunt down. And he had to swing away. Just to let you know. But for the first two pitches, he tried to have Lahair bunt. Lahair, for no outs. And I understand you want to get that runner to third and tie the game. You know, blah blah blah. You know, you don't want Dempster. Or the How many? Or uh... This this is the part of strategy that have baseball that I love. Give me the inning once again. Seventh inning. Seventh no inning. Two to one game. Two to one game. And who's who's up after Lahir? Uh At this point, Soto. I think it could be Soto. Yeah. Okay. Who, who guy who strikes out a lot? A guy who so you put a guy at third with one out with a guy who strikes out a bunch of times. I before making the judgment if that's a good or bad call, I'd have to have known the bunting ability of Brian Lahir. If the guy's a decent bunter. Two to one game like that, not a horrible call. But the point you're trying to make is another Cubs way thing was to do the little things better. And I think they had three bunt opportunities yesterday, including the one you're talking about. And all three, they weren't able to get the bunt down. Well, and, and trust me, I'm all about doing the little things right, coach. But the way I look at it is this. You got a runner at second. Okay. And you got Brian Lahir up, a left handed batter. Okay. So you know what, Lahir? I want you to try to pull a ball, try to hit one out of the park because you know what'll happen. If it's inside, you might hit the ball in the ballpark and drive it. And B, if it's outside, you roll over the top of it, you hit a ground ball to the right side, and the guy gets to third base. The, the guy is supposed to be driving in runs for the Cubs in the future. He's not supposed to be – if it was Darwin Barney, anybody else in the lineup, I don't, yeah, I want to find out if they can bunt. Mm-hmm. This kid is going to be – if he's supposed to be great, well, if he's playing first base, he's not going to be bunting. He's supposed to be driving runs in. I'm not ripping my hair on this. I didn't like the choice. Make the kid hit. Say, hey, you know what? You're a first baseman. You're a major leaguer. I want to see how many dr- runs you can drive sounds, in. Sounds that, like you're ready to jump on the bandwagon of the FiredaleSwaim.com website, which is growing in numbers as we speak, Big Dog. 
Well, it's not the Hall of Fame's fault throwing it. I know. Fault. I'm just okay. kidding. I'm it's, it's, you and you know I'm not ripping. Yep. So I just let the hair hit. Let, let, I don't want to see him bunt. I want to see him drive and run. Yep. There will be, I've heard, a not a bit. But, you know, like an Occupy-type gathering outside Wrigley Field, and they all will have signs, and it will be saying, let the hair hit. You can catch that on the WGN News tonight. Speaking of WGN News, did you get any more residue from uh, the This Year Man appearance interview on Uh, WGN? Just a couple relatives. I got a lot of of old (laughs) relatives. relatives. So so, uh, basically all of them watch WGN because they're all over 50. That's Mm -hmm. right when you're 50. (laughs) You know, it, it, you know, somebody mentioned that to me the other day. It was uh-huh. like, you know, isn't it funny that uh, Gary Meyer is on WGN and somebody else new is on W Jonathan Brandmeier is yep. on WGN. Yep. And 25, 30 years ago, they used to make fun of Wally Phillips and everybody on WGN yeah. because now, old people. Yeah. Now they're now yep. now they are them. Yeah. So I don't know uh-huh. if that was you that was saying that to me, but I had Probably. I had a laugh about that. Probably. And not. I realized. Does your um, Does your auntie Niemi watch WGN? She's over 50. That's my point is every okay. single person that contacted me, saw you on WGN, was over 50 years old. Besides two of my friends from high school. Not everybody ne- was over not that. Necess- everybody. Not necessarily the audience we were looking to pick up. They got the money. They got yeah, the money. Hey, speaking uh, of this year, man. Speaking of this year, man, by the way, a couple of things we need to talk about. I went on the This Year Man Facebook page, as I am wont to do, and I highly recommend all of our listeners particularly those of the male and female variety. If you're not in that area, you know, you can maybe go elsewhere. But check out This Year Man on the Facebook page. Always some entertaining things on there. Two things. One, David Olson has posted a video. You've got competition. I guess he's been around longer than you, but there's a guy called Soxman. Yeah. And then two, even more importantly, I noticed on the Facebook page there is a female wearing not much more than a Cub jersey. And I have to admit, in my preparation for the show, I'm about four minutes behind schedule because I stayed on that picture for a while. Um, yeah, I understand, Coach. I understand completely. That's my sister. And Say what? Uh, I don't know. And I don't know who got the picture of her. Your sister. But uh, uh, all I can tell you is, is that girl can drink a little bit. Is the best way I can tell you. That, that's something you know nobody can run in our family because we're too drunk. But drinking runs in our family. <laughs> I'm sure you're very proud of that. Yes, I, you, my mom is not, though. What do you mean your sister? You don't have a sister. What are you talking about? That's that's her. Big Never job. mind, Coach. We'll just leave it at that. My mom is extremely I'm, unhappy. She wants me to take the picture down from my from my page. I've known you for 10 years. I don't recall you ever mentioning you're a sister. Well, when she gets drunk like that and acts like that, why would I bring her up, Coach? That's not the wow. first time she's been butt naked drunk in Wrigleyville, is the best wow. way I can tell you. Mean that, you. So that, we kind of disowned her. That picture was taken with, with people around during a game? No, that, that was actually, that wasn't at a game. That was, I'm pretty sure, at Murphy's Bleacher because wow. that's where she works. That's your sister. No, no, I should say that's where she ends up after work is what I should All say. Right. David Olson, every comment I made uh, prior to the show, erase that from your memory. I didn't know it was Joe's <laughs> sister. <laughs> More importantly now, tomorrow, if you go down there, you are going to meet your arch nemesis, your arch enemy, a man who has 11,000, no, I'm sorry, has 295 followers, Sox man. Apparently the White Sox mascot, but you've already said he's got fake muscles and you've got real ones. He's got 295 uh, followers. I got 276. 
He's got 19 on me. And like you said, how many more years has he been yeah, around? He's been around for a while. I talked to Joel about this before the show. I'm going to track him down. Okay. Because he, he's somehow associated with the Red Eye. Okay. And I've got a friend that's a writer for the Red Eye. Now, I'm noticing he is in White Sox Park in some of the pictures. You can you can dress up in costume and go to, uh, go to U.S. Cellular. It's Sox Park. Yes. But not Cubs Park. Yes. That's unfortunate. All right. So you might, you might actually be able to get into the park, Big Dog. You think I should go? I, I need a cameraman. Can anybody out there film this for me, please? Just contact me. This year, man at yahoo.com. I, I honestly need someone to film this because the guy that was supposed to film it is 99% not going to be able to do it. So, which is 100%. So, uh, wait a minute. This year, man. I'm, at, I'm distraught, coach. This year, man at yahoo.com. I'm looking at the cards we passed out at Wrigley Field. It doesn't say this year, man at yahoo.com. Well, that was a, uh, that was just an email to contact me. Oh, okay. At, I wanted people to friend me on Facebook okay. when I was giving all that stuff out. Like, if you, uh, this year, man, at Yahoo is a contact. So gotcha. I didn't want people actually gotcha. contact me when we were out. I wanted them to gotcha. contact us through this show okay. would have been really nice. Okay. All right. Hey, real quick, real quick, uh, before we leave the Cubs, i got to ask you about the reliever John Axford, the long-haired one. Uh, I read in the paper. I was not aware of this. He now has 45 consecutive. He looked awful good yesterday, shutting down the Cub. One, two, three. Um, 45 consecutive save opportunities completed, 45 of 45. The fifth longest streak in Major League Baseball history, Big Dog. Why am I not, and other people more, not aware of this guy? Because last year around this time, I was telling you how good he was, and you're like, oh, he's going to fade. He won't be good by the end of the year. Honestly, you did. You said that about him, which is funny. Now, he was a, like, junior college pitcher, mm-hmm. barely got a chance. And then, like, I'm not exactly saying he was a free agent. But I'm pretty sure the like Brewers picked him up for like next to nothing. Like he might have been like one of those Plan Bs, like Josh Hamilton was. Yep. And now the guy's freaking—he's been awesome with the Brewers, coach. He's been phenomenal. They got Frankie Rodriguez, and they're not even pitching him in the ninth. They're still keeping John Axford in the ninth inning. Mm-hmm. That, that's impressive, coach. I get mixed up with all the rods in Major League Baseball. Is Frankie K Rod? Yes. Okay. Yes, he is. Get very confused. All right. The guy that was on the Angels in, in 02, okay. the, the dominant pitcher, that mm-hmm. was him. So they got him as an eighth-inning setup, man. That's not bad. Uh, all right, so John Axford, 45 consecutive save opportunities. That's incredible. That and is 40... incredible. And uh, if you think about it, let's let's pay homage to uh, Papa Grande, uh, Jose Valverde, whose streak of 49 snapped earlier in the week. So you, you said this is the fourth or fifth longest. Obviously, uh, Eric Gagne is number one, and his is like 83 or 84. I don't even know what it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's in the 80s, which is – that is a pretty untouchable record. And then, believe it or not, Flash Gordon is up there. Okay, oh, Tom, Tom Flash Gordon. Uh-huh. I'm going to guess Mel Rojas is next. Um, <laughs> that, that might be a stretch. I don't know who the other guys are. I, <laughs> yeah, I think, think? Uh, I will know it. Oh, uh, Willie Hernandez is up there, too, but I know he isn't. He didn't do more than 45. uh uh-huh. But, uh, so Papa Grande and 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 actual, uh Brad Lynch saved forty eight games two years ago. Mm-hmm. So they, he's got to be on there. He saved okay. forty eight in one season. All right. So most of the streaks are of uh, recent vintage. Thank you very much. Real quick, the White Sox—they've won three in a row. Big dog. They were supposed to be similar to the Cubs this year. And uh, by the way, I do like Theo Epstein's word. It's not a rebuilding year. We are building. I like that. 
But the Sox are supposed to be building too, but somehow they're winning baseball game, big dog. And it's early, but uh, 10 to 6 over Cleveland. Again, another big first inning. Your leadoff hitter, Alejandro Diaza, with another home run. That helps. AJ jacked one out too, but the Sox have won three in a row. Looking good. Yeah, for the Cubs, rebuilding would, would uh, indicate that they could rebuild from something good. You'd have, they have to build. Uh, yes. COF seems exactly yeah, right. I like that. Uh, and for the White Sox, uh, a strong game. And this might sound a little weird what I'm saying here, but you could easily go on a road and fall asleep when there's 17 fans in the crowd. And I'm not totally ripping the Cleveland fans because it was brutally cold in Cleveland yesterday. And unless I was walking to the park, I, like, I don't know if I would be able to deal with, like, an hour and a half travel time both ways. If you know, like, if you live in Cleveland, drive, park, and then sit in 30 degree temperature. I, I am shocked. 16 runs were scored in that game, Coach. 16 runs and it was 30 degrees. The Browns would have had trouble scoring in that temperature. It was unbelievable. <laughs> uh, you are correct, indeed. And uh, Johnny Danks was the starting pitcher, by the way. So they made the decision to uh, drop Phil Humber from the rotation and let him pick up his next start about a week down the road. But John Danks pitched. Well, good. Not great and picked up the victory. Kosuke you know Fukudome also made his first appearance for the White Sox. One for four. Uh, this is a good sign. Maybe they should not play him until May. Because he gets worse as the season goes on. So the, <laughs> the less you play him, yeah. the better off he's going to be. Interesting theory. So you could, really, if you're a playoff team, you could hold him off till like August. No, no, that you just want to play him October first. He's a playoff team. By the way, we got an email coming in from UNESCO Betcher House. Okay. UNESCO Betcher House wants to know if this year, man, has a goal of throwing out the first ball, uh, first pitch for a game, or possibly singing the seventh inning stretch this year. It's a great question from UNESCO you know, Betcher House. I, you know, I never, I never even thought of that, Coach. It's not uh, bad. You know, it, it, it's funny that they said it because, like, I would definitely be willing. And unlike what John Grisham did yesterday with Ernie Banks, which was the maybe even it was worse than Mike Ditka. Remember, John they ran it all It was in that ballpark. It wasn't as bad as Ozzy Osbourne's. But John Grisham and Ernie Banks. John finished. Grisham, the author. Yeah, you know the, the author. Yeah, he wrote a book called Calico Joe, and it's going to ah. hit the shelves pretty soon. Okay. And it's about Wrigley Field. The guy's a freaking Cardinal fan. I'll, okay. Whatever, but they, they, you know, Len Casper and and Bob Brownley were in there making him act like he was like the greatest thing ever, and uh, he then he goes and he messed up the taking me out to the ball game. If I go there, coach, I will do it exactly verbatim how Harry Carey did it every single time. Every single time, I know mm-hmm. when he stopped, I know when he kept singing. I heard that song so many times that I could just do it. And maybe once or twice a season when I'm watching a game, I'll hear somebody that does it exactly the way Harry did it. Like, all right, let me hear you now. Hi. loud. You know. Everybody, a one, a two, a three. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. And then he stopped. And then he would wave the thing. And then he would say, I don't care if you ever get back for its root. And then everybody else would say, Root, root, and then he would say, for the Cubbies, and we, uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and then he would stop, and I don't know, so I can do the whole thing, coach. Is so that your, your, your ode to Harry Carey would be exactly as close oh, as Harry possible Carey to how do. Harry Carey, yeah. Hey, you know, this year man spelled backwards is Nam A Sits. 
Thank you very much. Nam Ray. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I had oh, to be. No, 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 no. You got to be careful with. Yeah, this this spelled backwards. You have to be very careful with. All right, moving along, real quick, real quick. Baseball round them up, wrap them up, and then we'll get to a little Stanley Cup hockey. Bulls fans, Bulls take on the Miami Heat in a big game. Where is that? At the United Center tonight? Yes, it is. Go okay. Bulls at home at the UC. Very good. Real quick in baseball yesterday, Big Joe. We try and do it each and every day. The award-winning baseball. Round them up and wrap them up here. The two guys in a mic show. Tampa Bay knocked off Detroit four to two. It's the Tigers' first loss of the season. Many people thought they might go undefeated. They did, in fact, lose a game. Justin Verlander, big dog, pitched seven solid innings. Fell apart a little bit in the eighth. Uh, Verlander threw eight innings, had given up two hits, and had pitched 81 pitches. I was listening to the game on the radio. He's going to cruise for the shutout. Well, in the ninth, four of the first five got on. It looked blue pits, barely missing on a walk. Next thing you know, uh, all four runs are earned against him. The Tigers lose their first game of the year. So, mm-hmm. unbelievable. He was, when I was listening to the game, the Tiger announcer had said the first eight innings was the best Justin Verlander has ever looked as a that's, pitcher. That's scary. And he has two no-hitters. And then all of a sudden, in the ninth inning, it was one guy got on over a, like a, a barely being outside and then a broken bat single, mm-hmm. and then it's it's baseball coach. He started baseball going. He started going back to my theory. He started pitching for contact. You know what's funny is he's pitching for contact the whole entire game, and in the last <laughs> inning, he said he's trying to start overthrowing. It's funny you said it in the first in the first five innings of the ball game. Verlander had allowed no hits and had three strikeouts, and at that point, wow. he had only thrown like thirty two pitches. Yep. He's starting to turn into the, uh, the uh, Roy Halladay type. Just, you know, yeah, efficient. Efficient. Uh-huh. Not only spectacular, but efficient in doing it. Throwing very few pitches. And they, the, the great ones, big dog, not only in baseball, in any sport, in any, most any fields, the great ones make it look somewhat easy. Like and, when you watch the, yep. Steve Nash play basketball right now on offense? Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. Toronto knocked off the Red Sox 3-1. to one. Boston now, what, 1-4, 1-5, and... Four, one and, five, and uh, Bobby Volcano Valentine, uh, give me an estimate if this keeps up, Big Dog. When will be the first eruption of the not so young Bobby Valentine? Well, well, Kurt Schilling has already questioned the, the hiring of Valentine in the press, <laughs> and Valentine is firing back at Schilling yesterday. <laughs> All that happened. But uh, let's face it, it's always got to be about the Red Sox. Oh, it's the Red Sox. Red Sox, they're horrible. Let's uh, tip the cap to Ricky Romero yes. of the Toronto Blue Jays, the lefty that nobody knows about. The Eight. Blue Jays folks, like I'm telling you, are good, and Ricky Romero is their best pitcher. He is phenomenal. Eight and a third yesterday, three hits. I loved him back in the old situation comedy days, but apparently he's got a revival. Ricky Romero, brilliant for the Toronto Blue Jays. Eight and a third, gave up only three hits. To yeah, the only topped out at like 93, but he's got the changeup. So he's one of those guys, Coach. Mm-hmm. He's like precise pitcher with a nasty changeup, and it mm-hmm. proves you don't have to overpower people to be dominant. There you go. There you go. Oakland knocked off Kansas City 5-4. to four. This was disturbing to me as a Kansas City Royal fan, Big Dog, because uh, these are the painful kind of losses. Tight game, 2-2, two to two, I think it was. 3-3 three to three maybe at the end of 9. Game goes to the 12th inning. Kansas City scratches a run in the top of the 12th to take the lead, and then they lose it as Oakland comes up with two runs in the bottom of the ninth. And is Jonathan Braxton now the closer for KC? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jonathan Broxton is the closer because uh, the executioner last year changed his name back to Joachim Saria, and ever since he did that, he can't get anybody out. The executioner. It, 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 it was unbelievable. Jonathan Broxton comes in, okay, uh, obviously blows the save. Now it's a, it's a tie game, and there's runners at second and third, and Eunice Despedes came up. Who had another home run yesterday, by the way? And Broxton hit him because he couldn't throw the ball anywhere in the plate. And Suspedes is looking at him like, hey, what are you looking at? Why are you hitting me? Like, he's going to charge them out. I'm like, this guy really needs to learn the game of baseball. How could he think he would hit him in this situation? Mm-hmm. Next pitch, uh, Broxton hit the guy in the same exact pitch in the same exact spot he hit Suspedes. And I was like, hopefully Suspedes realized that he didn't do it on purpose. Oh, Two consecutive hit-by-pitches to walk in runs and lose the game in extra innings, Coach. Brutal. That's Brutal. Not, and I swear to you, the guy, the second guy that he hit, I think it was Mark Ellis, yep. he was two feet away from home plate. And he didn't even move. He was like, this ball's going to hit me. I hope my uh, my favorite low-budget team, the KC Royals, did not pay a lot of money for what, for a brief moment in time, was one of the top relievers in all of baseball, Jonathan Bad News Broxton. No, no, no. That guy is it. I know we always got this argument over Kyle Farnsworth, and I agree with you he wasn't any good, but it was he was as good as long as Kyle Farnsworth was. He had a year and a half where he was just untouchable, Coach. And all of a sudden, he's good. Because he has a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, for the next six, seven years, someone will give him 3 or $4 million a year mm-hmm. to be bad in their bullpen yep. just because he throws so hard. And Kansas City Royals have stepped up and volunteered to do that. Thank you very much. Real no, quick. They're going to be okay, Coach. They'll be okay. They're going to finish in right. second, and they'll win 82 games this year. Really? The, Royals. the Royals? So yeah, they're going to win 82 games. Nice. Nice. Don't forget, we've got our bet. We're going to compare our teams pretty soon and see how we're doing in the year early going. Our pick seven. Uh draft picks that we did a couple of days ago. We'll compare those teams. Real quick, over the National League, big done. The Washington Nationals shut out the New York Mets 4 nothing. Steven Strasburg, we saw him against the Cubs on opening day. It looked pretty good. He was pretty good. They're watching his pitch count. They're keeping, uh, which is smart, obviously, because he's getting over the injury. But he looks like he has not lost much with the big injury. Six and a third of beautiful innings against the Mets. Um, yeah, I think it was just regular, just six uh, flat. I, I watched the game yesterday. He looked very, very good. But I will tell you this. The home plate umpire was calling strikes for him. There was one against Jason Bay where coach, they showed it from behind home plate. The ball was inside of the left-handed batter box inside line. It was inside of that. So what's that, like nine inches off the plate that the mm-hmm. umpire called the strike on? And then Bay had complained about the previous pitch that was almost that far out. The next one was even further, and he called the next one a strike, and he just stood there while Bay was screaming at him and just kind of, like, smiled. Hmm. It was, it was. Yeah. I don't know, that, so I've he, never seen anything like that in a major league game. Got a little help from his friends, but nevertheless, he's throwing the ball. He's got that giddy-up on the baseball, which he had before. Some people thought he might have lost it. Philadelphia knocked off Florida 7-1. The story there, of course, Ozzie Guillen on suspension. Joey Cora, the manager, they lose 7-1. Big dog, I don't know if you've already... Uh, Developed the website, firejoeycora.com, but the Miami Marlins did not look good, and guess who was pitching for Philadelphia? Just another walk in the park for Roy Happy Halliday. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, they, uh, Isaac Andrews started serving the suspension after they had a face Halliday. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, we, I, we just, I, hold on. We just got a note. Apparently, Isaac Ian has already purchased the firejoeycora.com website. So it's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just so you know, I think I may have heard the the dumbest rhetorical question in the history of baseball reporting. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, before you tell me. 
Now, we've been doing the show to 10 years together. I've asked you a lot of dumb rhetorical baseball questions. Yeah, yeah. So okay. this, this is even above mine. Okay. Wow. All right. So do you want to take a guess what it, what it was about uh, the no Ozzie and Joey Cora situation? Not really. Okay. It's, uh, well, here's what it was. It was, uh, is Joey Cora capable enough to replace Ozzie Gian? Or is he ready to replace Ozzie Gian? What was the question? If you're, if you're Ozzie Gian's bench coach, don't you just assume <laughs> that you're gonna, these guys gonna serve five to ten games of suspension every season? How many games has he been suspended for already as a head coach? He was Ozzie Gian's guy in Chicago for five years. How many times has Joey Cora, it seemed like it was once a month Joey Cora was out there. Mm-hmm. Yes, Joey Cora is prepared to be the manager of the Marlins for the next five days. That just, that's you know, what I'm telling <laughs> You're right. That is a rhetorical, if not silly, question. If Ozzie Gian continues to manage for a long, long time, it's possible Jory Cora could, like, as an interim manager, be like the fourth or fifth winningest manager in the major leagues. Yeah, no, honestly, <laughs> just in Marlins history, if you think about it, just say, just say all this gets turned around, you know, uh, somehow, uh, like, uh, Ozzie Gian adopts, uh, what's that kid's name, uh, Golio What's against the, the kid, the Gonzalez kid, the Cuban that they they sent back to his father? Oh back yeah, in, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I forget his name. The, the well, kid, if he yeah. can get the whole family back here, all of the Cuban uh, people <laughs> that are upset and will be happy. Yep. He ends up being the manager of the Marlins for the next twenty years. Joey Cora will end up like third on the Marlins <laughs> all-time win list. <laughs> without legitimately third, without ever actually being the manager. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, a beautiful thing. All right, there's our baseball roundup up, wrap them up for the uh, 2012 Thursday, April 11th or 12th, whatever it is it is. Actually, it's the 12th because tomorrow, Big Dog. As this uh-huh. year, man might be making an appearance at White Sox Park to add to the mystery, to add to the intrigue, you'll be appearing on a Friday the 13th. Wow. That's why I need to go out there because uh, I'm I'm a trexodecophilic coach. I beg your pardon? You know, some, some, some people are trexodecophobic. They're afraid of 13. I'm trexodecophilic. Ah. I actually I, I enjoy to be out there okay. in days where odd occurrences and strange uh, happenings will, you know, will be a problem. So you actually relish the aura of bad superstition? Yes. I always wore 13. I, I wore 13 when I played linebacker coach is the best way I can tell you. Mm-hmm. And I was bringing bad luck to every single offense that I played against. Nice. My, was my nice. I like that. All right, a couple other little quick uh, titillating tidbit news and notes to get off the uh, charts here, Big Dog. Uh, real quick in the NBA as we uh, lead up to a, a Bulls-Miami Heat game tonight, just a little note as the playoffs come to conclusion, the best battle going on is over in the NBA Western Division, and it's the Utah Jazz and the Denver Rockets. Denver Nuggets, rather, battling for that playoff spot over there. Utah won yesterday. Um, and Gordon Hayward, remember him, the, the baby-faced kid from Butler? Butler. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I'm seeing his name in the 19 points, 22. He had 29 points. The baby-faced assassin, who a lot of people said shouldn't jump. This guy can't play in the NBA. Turned out to be a pretty good player for Utah. Yeah, and you know what? He ended up going... The guy goes to Butler, and you know Butler's known for like solid fundamental basketball, and you know, and he maxes out there. Well, if there was a, if there was any, you know, community besides the Indianapolis Pacers, you know, that that you think of that would be the Utah Jazz, and you know, mm-hmm. that's exactly the kid could end up being a star that in that 
in that community for like 10, 15 years. Ago. 29 points yesterday, the big win, trying to get him to the playoffs. Uh, real quick, also, Baylor, I don't know if you saw this story, but Baylor, I like the fact that both the men's and women's team, if you're going to commit violations, I think it's nice that the two teams are working together, big dog. Both the men's and women's team on probation, a little text messaging, too many phone calls, illegal phone call, both men's and women's teams on probation for the next three years. Yeah, just the other day, right when I gave Tim Mulkey my whole thumbs up, talking yep. about how what a nice person she looked like, and right. I'm not saying she's a bad person, but you know, right when I gave the whole, she's really likable, comes out she's breaking rules. Can happen. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not worried about phone calls and mm-hmm. text messages. It, right. That's ridiculous. Right. Some of that stuff is just. I mean, really, honestly, what what if the kid? What if the kid responds back to you, coach? We supposed to do not respond back. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. I, you know, I really don't know the whole technicality of the. How do, how do they police the social network? Um. Well, I guess what they do. Here's how they police it: is uh, Baylor got caught because somebody at Texas was freaking upset that UT uh, had uh, didn't have a Heisman Trophy winner or a women's national championship basketball team. So one of the boosters invested about half a million dollars to have privatized look into all that stuff, and mm-hmm. then they. They got the phone records of some of those kids or of the Baylor uh, coaches and turned it into the NCAA. Mm. Let's let's be honest. That's probably what happened. So Interesting. Let's, let's not try to act like uh, mm-hmm. Baylor was at fault. They were. But what happened, probably the 90% chance of what happened was another institution invested, somebody invested some money to dig up dirt on them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Every single time when they find out, well, how did this actually start? How did the leak it? How did this? It ends up always being, oh, remember the Ohio State situation where Terrell Pryor got, gave a football jersey for a free tattoo? Hmm. It ends up being that somebody from Michigan knew about it. All of a sudden, information starts getting leaked. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's always like that, Coach. So that's why I'm not so mad about text messages and phone calls by the Baylor people. That's ridiculous. You know what I mean? It's not exactly the whole Ralph or what's the Calvin Sampson thing of Oklahoma when he goes to Indiana and does exactly what he did at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But when you did it at Indiana, you deserve to be fired at that point. Then you're you're just dumb at that point. You got to figure something else out. NCAA insider, NCAA uh, investigator, wannabe Joel Rudwanski, joining us here on the Two Guys in a Mike Show. Some excellent insights there. Thank you very much, my friend. Uh, we must talk hockey as the show is winding down. Big Dog Blackhawks open up the night against the Phoenix Coyote. Pretty good opening game yesterday to the Stanley Cup playoff. We talked about the great rivalry, the Battle of Pennsylvania, the hockey crazed state. It's really not a hockey crazed state. It's a football state. But they got two hockey teams. The Penguins taking Don't on the, the Flyers. Don't forget the wrestling, too, Coach. Pardon me? Don't forget the wrestling. Huge wrestling state. Not pro wrestling. The real wrestling. Speaking of wrestling, I'm halfway through the, the uh, ultimate fighting movie, The Warrior. Have you seen that yet? Well, that's not wrestling, but uh, yeah, no, I haven't seen The Warrior. What do you mean it's not wrestling? It's ultimate fighting. Well, that's not wrestling. Oh, that's sorry. fighting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm halfway through it. I've heard people say it's one of the best sports movies they've ever seen, and I'm halfway through, and I'm ready to declare it that good. So I'll give you my full review tomorrow, but that might be a movie you might have to catch, Big Dog. Really? Really? Yeah. I should It's about the brother situation, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. Uh, I, I do need to see that. I yeah. do need to see that. I'll, again, I'll give you the full review tomorrow, but halfway through it, it is outstanding. But getting back to the hockey playoffs, Pittsburgh apparently, I didn't see the game. I would have watched the end if I knew it. Pittsburgh had a three-goal lead at home. 
Three goal lead. The Flyers come back. Do I got this right, Big Dog? And win it a couple of minutes into overtime. Crushing defeat for the Penguin. What a huge win for Philadelphia. Are you kidding me? They came back and won. Three goals. So you were watching early. I was upstairs making a lovely dinner for Lily the Lilac. Glad they he said dinner. And won that game. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Phil, when, when you left, what was the score? Three nothing? Yeah, it was three nothing. And then, uh, you know, I got involved with stuff and I'm like, I'll check out Los Angeles, Vancouver later. Next, let's just say, let's just say I didn't watch that game either, but that was definitely mm-hmm. not, I, I had a much needed evening coach, but if I would have known, that that game happened. Yep. I don't. I don't need romance. I don't need good dinners and quality time alone with the person that you love. Not I, during the Stanley Cup I, playoffs. Come on. Yeah, I, I need three nothing comebacks in hockey games, Coach. Come on. <laughs> I woke up today totally awake. I should have been hung over and feeling yep. like crap. This is. I missed out. It's all right. We'll let it go this time. But try and get your priorities straight, will you, please? I, I will. I yeah, will. I'll all make right. sure to drink all night and watch sports. <laughs> But as a hockey insider, a victory like that, Big Doe, on the other team's home ice. Uh, is it just one game? Can you overrate it? Or is that is that a potential, even in the first game, a potential uh, series turner? And, and let's face it, the playoffs are about wins and losses. But, but quite honestly, as long as they don't, as long as they don't blow this game tonight in some bad way, they have all the momentum going home. You know what I mean? Sometimes you can lose that second game, and that was 1-1, and, and you're like, oh, we lost the momentum. No, as long as it's not like an ugly loss tonight, mm-hmm. no matter what, they have all the momentum going home. That's awesome. So when, you, when you come back 3 nothing on the first game of the playoffs, that's huge, Coach. If you remember, the Hawks were up 4 nothing in game one against the, the Penguins in the 1992 uh, uh, final. Who could forget it? And, and I swear to you, when the Penguins came and it was five four, you know, in the in the beginning of the third period. Everybody in the room looked at each other. They were like, "This series is over." They were right, so they got swept, and it wasn't even no game was closed wow. after that. I do not remember that game. Hawks had a four ninety two. I yeah, definitely don't remember. Had a four zero lead and yes. lost the game. Yes. Wow. In game wow. one at the at at the uh, at the old barn. Mm. On Madison, was it 91? It was 91 or 92. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I don't remember. But it was 91, I think, Coach, mm-hmm. now I think about it. it was, and uh, it's just ugly. That's like the yeah. worst loss in Hawks history. That's some so. negative past history. But uh, right now, Big Doe, we don't want to get the Blackhawk fans too depressed out there. What can you tell them about uh, 9 o'clock puck drop tonight? Phoenix Coyotes, Phoenix the home team. The higher seed, the Blackhawks had the better record during the season. Phoenix has got a red-hot goalie. How do you see this uh, playoff series coming out? It's a best of seven, correct? Yeah, and it is, it, no one's going to be swept in this series. So, I mean, it's going to it's going to go at least six games. Uh-huh. And, and I, I love the, the Hawks matchup in this one. Every once in a while with these odd divisional series, teams that really deserve better seeds don't get them, and sometimes teams that don't deserve such a high seed get it. Well, the Hawks somehow are playing a team that they have a better record than, and they're the sixth overall seed in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. You, you, that's how ugly this whole let's have six divisions in hockey is. Well, you understand what they're trying to do, and to some extent the two of us sympathize with it because we are of the 
idea of emphasizing the regular season and winning a division championship, so they're trying to put some emphasis there. But I agree with you. When there's only four teams in a division, it kind of yeah. defeats it defeats the theory. Yeah, I know. You and I respect regular season championships more than typical fans do. Yes. Because we really appreciate the game. But I do not appreciate any NFC North championship that the Bears win in an only four-team division, except for the fact that I can kind of, you know, like rip my uh, like Packer and Viking fan fans, like, hey, you know, we won the division. But it doesn't, I'm not proud of it. The only thing that matters is how far teams go in the playoffs in the NFL nowadays. So mm-hmm. they've kind of destroyed pride in their in their division championships by having so many of them. I mean, really, there's the uh, the, the idea in hockey to be proud of winning one of the six division crowns, and uh, just uh, to me, it does make makes no sense whatsoever to have so many divisions in in hockey or basketball or baseball. Got an email from Leroy from Lagrange and. Uh... Basically, the email says, "Are you sure that's your sister?" That's Leroy and Lagrange. Uh, well, tell Leroy and Lagrange <laughs> that uh, I have half sisters, and, and and I'm I'm happy that Leroy and Lagrange is listening. It, it's good to know. So, all right, Chicago Cub jersey has never looked so good. That's on the this year man Facebook page. Big dog, another outstanding show. We will talk to you tomorrow, and hopefully, be talking about a Blackhawk Cup playoff victory and. The Bulls clinching the number one seed. That'd be a nice back-to-back, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, the Bulls can't officially clinch, but if they win tonight, yeah, they'll have in. a four-game lead, yeah, yeah. and it's like... It's, it's over. Yeah, it's over yeah. at that point, yeah. really. If they, win, if they win tonight, numbers. they're the number ones. I just remind everybody all the talk about, the no, number one seed, we, you know, we worked all season to get the number one seed. Poppycock. It doesn't mean that much. All you do is lose the first game, and the whole number one seed thing is out the door. So it's an advantage, but don't overrate it. doesn't mean that much. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I want I want it, though. And if they can win tonight, the magic number, which is seven now, will drop to five, which would be good. Beautiful. If any uh, females out there, Big Dog, or friends of your sister want to find out where you might be today, are you going to be out and about at all? Um, I, I have every chance of being out and about, but I'll probably be pulling weeds. And doing other things in between writing the This Year Man blog, thisyearman.com. You did, you did say pulling weed. Just yeah, I, well, how, how do you figure out I, I live the rest of my yeah. life if I don't pull them originally? <laughs> Have a great day, Big Dog. Goodbye, everyone. Two guys at a mic, talkzone.com. Signing off. We'll see you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Don't be late. Have a great one.